Welcome to the Possibility Podcast. I'm Mel Schwartz, your host and thought provocateur. I've been practicing psychotherapy for well over 20 years. During that time, I've been so fortunate to witness countless breakthroughs while working with people, whether one-on-one, as a speaker, in professional trainings, or in workshops. The insights that I've garnered have inspired me to write over a hundred articles and several books, including the companion title to this podcast, The Possibility Principle, which you can find wherever books are sold. On this and every episode, I'll be introducing new ways of thinking, relating, and communicating to help you truly thrive in your life, to reach the possibilities that you may long for. Think of this as a new game plan for living. Thanks for enjoying my emerging community of possibility seekers, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. First, I'd like to take a moment or two to speak with you about the COVID-19 pandemic affecting the entire planet and creating havoc, chaos, and disruption in our lives. For those of you who have suffered or lost loved ones or had loved ones suffer from this, my compassion and heart goes out to you. I'd like to share with everybody that I will be offering an upcoming Zoom conference addressing emotional and psychological resilience through this pandemic, how we can deal with the challenges in front of us, and how we can oftentimes turn crisis into opportunity as our lives slow down. If you're interested in that information on the upcoming Zoom conference, please do send me an email at mel at melschwartz.com, and I will send you a link to the conference. On the more personal and joyful note, we've recently passed 10,000 downloads of the Possibility Podcast. I'm delighted and excited that so many people have enjoyed the show, and I look forward to providing so much more. As a gift to my listeners, I invite you to send me an email, and I am offering you a free copy of my first book. The Art of Intimacy, The Pleasure of Passion as an ebook, or a DV download of my video, The Power of Mind, which was a predecessor to my book, The Possibility Principle. So once again, if you'd like one of those gifts, don't hesitate to email me at mel at mel schwartz. That's M-E-L-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z dot com. Now Let's move on to the episode. We're going to renew our discussion about love, intimate and romantic relationships. A friend of mine, actually a dear relative, said to me once a number of years ago, such a simple universal thought. He said to me, who's my cousin Eugene, in case he's listening in, you know, Mel, we all just want to be loved. And I paused. And thought, that is the human condition, folks. We all just want to be loved. But we get in our way. And we get in each other's way. You know, if love is manifested through relationship, 
And again, in this episode, I'm going to be focusing more on romantic relationship and partnerships. But much of what I'm going to share has application in family relationships and friendships as well. Relationships are so complex. And complex isn't bad. Complex is wonderful. We tend to avoid complexity in our culture because we need to know the answer. We want the quick fix, the six simple steps to this or that. That approach undermines us. It's superficial. and It doesn't provide us with the understanding and the insights we need. When I work in relationships with people, what I see is not simply the external relationship between two individuals. I see each person's individual relationship with themselves spilling out onto what we call their external relationship. Typically, when I do couples counseling, I work with the individuals as well. It gives me so much more insight into their history, their dramas, their challenges, and how they impact one another. So relationships are complex, which is how they ought to be. As a diamond has an infinite amount of facets, so do relationships. And we should value our relationships in the same way that diamonds are valued. So they are complex. That's different than complicated. And there's nothing more important or valuable in our lives than to succeed in relationships. You know, our tendency to fall into blame or what I call either or thinking, which is based upon you're wrong and I'm right, it blocks and impedes joyfulness. It destroys the integrity of relationship. So we need to come into the complexity and the nuances and the enormous amount of facets of a relationship to be able to restore the love, the sense of oneness, the empathy and compassion and caring that presumably existed earlier on in the relationship. You know the expression that love tends to fade or passion tends to fade? It's not so much that that's actually innately true. It's just that we have not learned the lessons of relating and communicating. And believe me, if we learned this in school, if it was part of our required education, we'd have an entirely different world if our values were focused on emotional intelligence and proper communication. So we all just want to be loved. Let's take a look at some examples of what gets in the way. Our close personal relationships, particularly at a time like this, under the COVID-19 pandemic, when we're under lockdown or containment and confined, our relationships can feel like a pressure cooker, whereby we start to react and judge each other's actions and intentions and behavior. This may have existed likely before the pandemic, when I wrote my book, The Art of Intimacy, The Pleasure of Passion, I made a statement in the preface, and that was the fact that 50% of marriages end in divorce, that's the smaller issue. The larger problem is that the majority of marriages are far from happy. And by marriage here, I'm discussing committed relationship as well. So that's a staggering rate of failure that only a small percentage of committed relationships over time thrive. We'd never permit that rate of failure in business, but we do in our relationships. But of course, in business, 
people go to business school and get training. And again, we don't do that in relationship. So coming back to the present moment in particular, the tension we experience in relationship can cause us to boil over and lose balance and a healthy energy. Let's look at this damaging tendency and start to rethink our role in this. Relationships always offer a unique opportunity for our personal growth. But this opportunity comes fraught with disturbances and challenges. Our closest relationships, they showcase the underlying chronic issue that we each bring into the union. So our personal history and wounds spill over into what we call the relationship and become the drama. The tendency is to default to blaming each other for these disturbances. The result is each person feels invalidated, blamed, and devalued. And when that happens, we pull back from the sense of oneness, the sense of compassion and empathy that probably was there to a large extent at the beginning of our relationship. And we then, as we separate out, we start to talk about his problem or her issues. So what may have begun as a sense of love and connection, a oneness in partnership, it begins to dissipate into conflict as the sense of one separates out and fragments. I'll provide an example for you. Some years ago, I was working with a couple who had only been married for a few years. I'll call her Jill. She had divorced shortly before she met John. And she had two teenage children from her prior marriage. Jill insisted on maintaining a close, amicable relationship with her former spouse. Nothing wrong with that. That sounds ideal. But as our sessions progressed, it became evident that Jill had a compulsion, a need for approval and cordiality with her ex-husband, and that she was actually unable to say no to her children. This was masking an underlying issue. She felt compelled to be well thought of, liked by both her kids and their father. And that caused her to avoid genuine confrontation or the ability to be assertive. So she appeased her ex-husband and she avoided being an appropriate parental guide for her children out of her need to avoid upset. This provoked her new husband, John, and I was working with both of them. John felt undermined, betrayed by her behavior. He experienced his wife, Jill, as being more sensitive to her ex-husband's needs than to his own. Over time, we came to appreciate and see that Jill's need to avoid confrontation and her tendency to avoid displeasing others at all costs It had its roots in her childhood. For those of you who have read my book, The Possibility Principle, I explain this phenomenon by using the term wave collapse, which I won't go into at the moment. But if this perspective that I'm about to share you find enlightening, I do suggest you give The Possibility Principle a read. Going back to Jill's childhood, what imprinted her belief system about herself? was this. She felt unloved by her parents. They were dispassionate and not emotional or nurturing of her. 
So Jill developed a coping mechanism to try to get what she wasn't getting from her parents. She wanted any positive attention she could muster. So she developed the persona, the mask, if you will, of being a people pleaser because she believed she could extract some little amount of attention and approval from her parents. Now, decades later, that coping mechanism was still there. It may have been adaptive in an early age, but as with all coping mechanisms, they take us too far to the other extreme of the pendulum swing, and they start to impede our growth. Now, the irony is that Jill was actually displeasing her current husband so as not to upset her ex and her children. Ironic, because the person now fundamentally closest to her in her life, she was displeasing. John came into their marriage with abandonment issues, dating back to his mother's abandonment of him very early in his life. And by abandonment, I mean literally. John shared that he was very sensitive to issues of rejection since his childhood. His antenna was up. He would see rejection even if there was none intended. So John, understandably, through his filter and experience, was feeling unloved by Jill. And so he critiqued every aspect of her interactions with her ex-husband and children, every text and email that was exchanged. He didn't feel partnered with her. As a result, what happened to Jill? Jill felt that he was perpetually examining and criticizing her. She couldn't tolerate it. Their relationship began to unravel, and they blamed each other, his problem, her problem, for its demise. The fundamental question we need to ask ourselves in such circumstances is, how am I contributing to this struggle? I am part of this equation. When we see each other's insecurities and challenges as the other's problem, but don't see how our past wounds may contribute to the conflict, we are tricked by this illusion of separation. Think of the expression, it's their fault, it's their problem. When we think their issues are theirs and not ours, we are not understanding the nature of relationships. You see, their issues must become our issues, just as ours become theirs. The problems and the challenges may be different, but they're not separate. Picture a drop of ink as it drips into a beak of water. After a while, the ink disperses throughout the water, and you can't find its trace, its trail, its source. The same thing happens in relationship. Each person's fears and hopes and challenges and issues become entangled with one another. That is a necessary byproduct of relationship, but something we can work to overcome so we don't mindlessly attach to the blame game. When I'm doing couples counseling, I often hear, I have no issues, but my spouse does. How silly. Your partner's unresolved issues no doubt impact you and your challenges. You are both as inextricably connected as two people on a seesaw. As one goes down, the other must go up. Ask yourself, what are the issues that I should be addressing? As I continued working with John and Jill, 
I help them understand how their coral wounds and ultimate coping mechanisms each contributed to their drifting apart, their blame, and their upset. Thankfully, I was able to work with Jill to develop a stronger self-worth, to transcend being a people pleaser, and to find her voice so she could be reasonably assertive. This enabled her to overcome her timidity around parenting. She became an effective parent. And by the way, it's never too late. I recently did a talk called Raising Resilient Children, and the inquiries were, is this for children who are older than 10? My sons are in their 30s. I'm still parenting. As long as we breathe, we should be seeking to be effective parents. Now, I helped John understand that Jill wasn't abandoning him. She was just operating from her own pre-existing fear. It had an impact on John, but it shouldn't have been personal. You see, their problems were very personal to each of them, but it was essential not to personalize them. Their problems had significant impact, but one wasn't doing it to the other. It's who they were. Sometimes when I work with couples, I'll discover that their annoyance and their anger is that the other person hadn't changed, but they had always been the way they were. And I'll say, well, if you love them and decided to marry them and that's how they were, why would you expect that they were going to change if they hadn't signed on for it? These core wounds may not surface for a period of time. They may not surface until many years in the relationship, but they were primary to each person chronically throughout. So coming back to John and Jill, or all of us, they came into their marriage with their own history of fears, doubts, and insecurities. And these issues were, of course, personal to them. And these matters impacted both of them. But unresolved personal issues always ripple out and impact those close to us. The goal is to recognize that the challenges and burdens we both carry are ours and stop thinking they are doing this to me. When we release this habit of victimization, we can then reflect on how we can help each other. And as importantly, Look at how we are part of the problem. This approach invites mindful relationship. It frees us from reactivity, blame, and anger. There are all different ways to ask for change. Some years ago, working with a couple, I had a new question surface for me. I began prompting couples to ask their partners, not just to change, but to ask this Would you like to be the person? I'm asking you to become. Would you like to be the partner I want you to be? It's a powerful question because we can seek change and pursue change in our partners, but ultimately we need to know, do they have the same goal? Would they like to buy into that? You see, this type of question, this type of inquiry, it quiets that tired back and forth, right and wrong ping pong match that gets us nowhere. So it's common to ask your partner to make changes in their behavior, their beliefs, and their attitudes. But often that's met by an entrenched resistance. Why should I have to change? You have your problems. You should ask yourself, 
if you're resisting change simply for the sake of resisting? Or would the requested change be consistent with your own growth and personal evolution? If what your partner is asking of you seems authentic and consistent with your own growth and overcoming bad habits and fears, and you're still resisting, then you might want to pay attention to why you're digging your heels in. Is it the tit for tat, right versus wrong, why should I, you're not? Then you're both locked up and being part of the problem. You can't change another person. But if you change, the other person is likely changed because your energies have shifted. But if you're caught up in the power struggle and keeping a scorecard of offenses, the path to resolving that discord remains obstructed. And the larger picture is obscured. The goal of winning in a relationship is absurd. That guarantees unhappiness. Think, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? We all say we'd rather be happy, but we default instinctively to right. Let's go back to the seesaw that I described earlier. Relationship battles often resemble that up and down. If one of you is up, the other one is necessarily down. You may take turns going into the up position, but you're unlikely to find the balance, the sense of harmony in this zero-sum equation. The shift we need to seek is a win-win, which can't be achieved with right versus wrong. In the win-win, we've welcomed empathy, validation, compassion, and understanding. That is the only pathway to blissful partnering. Releasing the need to defend yourself enables a more reflective consideration of the changes being asked, requested, or demanded. And again, step back from the reactivity of what's being asked sounds like a good thing. Let go of your scorecard. The conflict over change, although often substantive, is at times simply a safe, frustrating way to express hostility. So you see, you might ask your partner or spouse, if I were to make the changes you're asking for, would you feel the way I'd like you to feel about me? Who amongst us has ever asked a question like that? Let me ask it again. If I make the changes you're requiring of me, would that allow you to feel lovingly and caringly about me? This question may reveal whether there are deeper issues that need to break through and enter the discussion. A lot of our defensiveness surrounding other people's impositions that we change has to do with our own identity and insecurity. You know, the statement, there's nothing wrong with me, is a revealing, if not absurd statement. That demonstrates an insecure and fragile ego. How could there not be something wrong or imperfect about me? That would mean I'm so evolved that the Dalai Lama would pale in comparison. It's not a question of whether there's something wrong with you as much as it's about whether you're seeking to grow and evolve and hope to please your partner, as long as you're not acting from fear or inauthenticity. There is a direct correlation between your openness to change and your self-esteem. Direct. The more open to change, to self-exploration, then the likelihood is the greater your self-worth. If your self-worth feels tentative, you're more likely to defend against change suggestions. 
On a differing note, though, people should never simply succumb to the demands of others if they're coming from an angry or controlling energy. Let's come back to the start. We all just want to be loved. To be loved requires quieting our defensiveness and developing the resilience founded upon the healthy spirit of a cooperative, loving alliance. If you try to be the best you can be for the other and remain genuine and true to your growth, you can then say you're doing everything you can to make your relationship prosper. That's our goal. I wish you all safety and health, emotional, psychological, spiritual, and relationship prosperity now through this COVID epidemic and for the rest of your lives. Remember, send me an email at mel at melschwartz.com for a free gift, the ebook, The Art of Intimacy, The Pleasure of Passion, or my DVD, The Power of Mind. And as well, if you're interested, request a link to my upcoming Zoom conference on emotional and psychological resilience through the pandemic. Thank you all. Be safe. Speak to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Possibility Podcast with me, Mel Schwartz. To learn more about this topic and related subjects, please be sure to check out The Possibility Principle, my book at thepossibilityprinciple.com. I always welcome and look forward to your feedback. Please leave a comment at the show notes for this episode at melschwartz.com slash podcast or simply send me an email at mel at melschwartz.com. You can also use that email address if you'd like to be a caller on a future show and have a topic you'd like me to discuss. If you never want to miss an episode, find The Possibility Principle in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and be sure to hit that subscribe button. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are released. And if you know anyone who might benefit from The Possibility Podcast, please tell them about the show. Thank you for listening. And until next time, have a great day and keep summoning up those new possibilities. 